I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your sound-only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about Arsène Lupin. Gentlemen, Begler. <laughs> We're talking about Lupin, the new TV series. The new Netflix original. Yes, um, Netflix original. It's French. That is, it's Subtitles, French. let's go. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. Yeah, you know, you're going to have to not be a coward and put your phone down. And, Yo, and, uh, it was disorienting because it, it defaulted. So when I watch anime on Netflix, right, it defaults to Japanese audio, English uh -huh. subtitles. This, it defaulted to English audio. It took me like a, a solid five minutes to be like, oh, they speak English. Wait, the lips don't match. That's so jarring because that happened to me watching season two of Dark, uh, which is the, the German time psychological horror thriller drama d thing that is on netflix or I whatever like but i mean dark, like it's I'm it's sorry. it's yeah. it, i i you know to each his own if you don't like things that are just like a hundred and ten percent plots <laughs> and no <laughs> character of it whatsoever like but um yeah when i turned on season two it was like the english like audio and it's the most awkward like computer generated stuff if like the audio is not like i mean like this is not professionally recorded it's like computer like going like with barely any intonation <laughs> and it's speech, so yeah. distracting like you can't oh. it's yeah it's not like a show that you know, i'm just gonna turn on the english audio and like leave it on while i you know check it and out every 15 minutes not dark you out there watching abstract text text-to-speech art that's not for me. But we are talking about Lupin. Uh, there's no point in watching this show if you're not down to watch people speak French in their sultry way. You know, 
source material, right? We do, this is heist. We, this is heist lifestyle. Big, 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 big heist. Heists. Big heist lifestyle porn. Based on the short stories by Maurice LeBlanc, Arsene Lupin. Micah, I don't even I don't even be in the Netflix app like that. But this show caught my eye. You know what I mean? This show, I saw a twinkle of it in a web browser somewhere. I saw the words Lupin. And I know I knew it wasn't about a new season of the anime. I knew it wasn't about, you know, the anime Lupin the third. But also, like, it wasn't, co- but also the fact that it was just like big Lupin and Impact font, and it wasn't yeah. like all the way Lupin the third and live action meant that, like, oh, what is this? I was, yeah, I was like, is this Lupin? Is this Lupin? Lupin? Who is this tall Senegalese man? Who is this? Is this <laughs> Arsene Lupin? The one and only? The gentleman thief? And it turns out it is. Uh, Except his name is not Arsene Lupin. It's not. Well, it's not. Mm, that's the I thing. Mean, like, you know, misdirection. It, but that's the thing. Misdirection, right? Disguises. Or is it? You what know? Is it? Right. Which is the pin name? Right. This show dropped on Friday on Netflix, right? Feel like people are watching it. I watched it. You watched it. We liked it. Uh, I thought this show was special. I don't, I don't know. This show has charm. This show is charming. Charming is, yeah, definitely like the best word for it. This show is a good take on the short stories, on the loop on short stories. It's a good take on the heist genre. You know, it's a good take on procedurals. It feels like the kind of show where uh, it's like on the one hand, I get the idea of it being a sort of Netflix hype release, but it also just feels like a good solid, reliable hang. Uh, and the show is called Lupin. The main character is called Asan. And he's Asan Diop. The, yes. And his whole deal is that he's obsessed, right? His whole life he's been obsessed with the short stories about Arsene Lupin. And it's sort of where he learns his craft and his trade. And what is his craft and his trade, Micah? Uh taking people's stuff you know um he uh there is a uh meet cute between him and his love interest where they are bonding over the book as he's on a hospital bed after he stood up to some you know vaguely rapacious teenagers for her um and you know she's just like they're two types of men in this world. There are knights and barbarians and they both like bust my balls equally. And he's just kind of like, I actually figured out that there's a third person. He's like someone who only cares about the things that matters and, no- and nothing else, like a gentleman or whatever. So he fancies himself a gentleman thief. Uh, and yeah, like it, there's something, this show, like every episode, you know, it, it's, it's super, the, you know, for what exists now, it's five episodes, right? And I've watched all the episodes. You've watched all but the last episode. Yeah. Uh, last episode, big, big cliffhanger. And also, the last episode ends with this sort of note from Netflix saying, oh, there'll be some more episodes. Don't worry. You know what I mean? I, I, in other words, I can't tell if they mean I got to wait for another season of Lupin or whether maybe in a couple weeks I get to watch some more Lupin. I would prefer the latter. <laughs> yeah. I really would like to watch some more like... Lupin. <laughs> So the thing is, 
that I mean, like, as a person, like, I haven't watched all of the all of the available episodes, but like, I mean, it would be in keeping with like the wry charm of the show to be like, oh, you know, episodes coming soon, and then not come out for like another four years. <laughs> no, don't pull that Sherlock shit on me. No, please don't. <laughs> please don't wait that long. Yeah, whenever uh, Omar C is like next available. Uh, uh, they will they will shoot another batch of episodes, kind of like you know BBC limited run series. You know, it's gonna. Yeah. Be, I feel like it's gonna be one of those. Days. I mean, like I would hope that we get more episodes in a couple weeks. But could you can you talk to me a little bit about Omar? Because when I was first texting you about yo, I'm gonna watch all right. this. You were you were hype. You were ready to yeah. Go. I was hype because like it's okay. Omar Omar C is like if you there was you remember that uh. The press tour where Kevin Hart was just like having a months consecutive months long like public meltdown uh, about old tweets and it was like around the movie where he he was uh, an inmate that was trying to like rehabilitate his image or reintroduce himself into society and Brian by taking care of like Brian Cranston who was like an oh yeah yeah his serious yeah. movie yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I figured it was Kevin a name they they called the movie or whatever in English but the original or actually the original quote unquote I think the 2011 version of it was actually a remake of a movie that came out earlier, but it is yeah. Omar C and like somebody else. I can't remember the actor's name and it's called Les Antouchables. And like, it's really just Omar C being six, a uh, 13. I have no idea how <laughs> tall he actually is yeah. and like overwhelmingly charming. Uh, like, cause he's basically your, funniest cousin yeah. but also like you know he used to play d1 ball like that is like his vibe and he's running um, a lot of game he's just running he's, a he's running a lot of game but it's just like it's it's hilarious to imagine that he is like as i mean like you think thieves jewel thieves master thieves cat burglars nimble Quick, small, uh, noticeable. Not six thirteen, yeah. and He's as entirely, and, yeah, you know, like <laughs> sickeningly handsome, and you know, as charming as he is, like, but like, it's also like that's part of his ability to cast a spell on basically everybody he meets. Yeah, he he's entirely too tall to be committing all these crimes. He really just, every scene he's in, it's just so like, how you gonna get away with looking. this shit? I don't, it's no fucking way. There's just no fucking way. Because we can talk about like the first episode, right? You doing uh in the first episode of Lupin, right? Omar C as Hassan. You know, he's lead he's he's the ringleader of this heist of uh the Queen's necklace, right? Mm -hmm. Um and meanwhile, the whole episode, like to give you give you a, a beat on this character, you know, he's got all this charm. He's he's got all this savoir faire about him, but he's also constantly going on about how this this whole, you know, everybody is sort of winking at the fact that this heist is inspired by one of the Lupin stories, right? So he's kind of a nerd in this way, but he. Yeah, he he's just this like very large, strong man who also <laughs> he's who acting out childhood fantasies. Yeah, <laughs> like, he has this he has this whimsy about him, and it's so he spends the episode sort of going back and forth between you know wearing the 
the janitor uniform, right? When he's sort of casing out the Louvre. Yeah, and I believe wearing the text that, messages that you said suit. were you said <laughs> French niggas wearing tracksuits. Yeah, the album, the album. <laughs> yes, tatted oh, French dudes wearing tracksuits. The album, and then the other half of the episode where he's sort of fronting, he's he sort of created this, you know, false identity. Is this relatively young black billionaire? He's just wearing all these shack suits and, and he's up there with the auction cards, you know? Yeah, like he's wearing uh like he's 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 selecting from Samuel L. Jackson's wardrobe from the Capital One commercials. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know, he ultimately it's a, you know, usual suspects type of like, you know, Kaiser so say turn where like he ends up with the thing in the end. But, you know, it's obviously not as simple as that because there are four more episodes after that. Yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah, a lot of the drama with Lupin is and you've seen this in other shows like this, right, where the tension becomes as much about any particular heist, right? And the sort of complications you have to bake into the plan and the double and triple crosses you have to bake in. That's that's one half of the show. And then the other half of the show is the family drama and the, oh, Asan, he's kind of a fuck up. He's trying to do right by his kid. He's trying to do do right by his ex. You know, he's, he's you know, he's a he's a reformed man, but he's not. He's a crook. Yeah. But we, but we yeah. love him, you know. Um yeah, that's the archetype. And I don't I, there's something about this show that feels very if you compare it and we will in the we will in the next segment we we can talk more specifically about other shows that this show makes me think think of. This show feels super low key in a way that is actually really appreciative of though. Because I really do think you it's know, mostly the, the charming. the way that you described uh space dandy like a couple of episodes ago yeah, i can't yeah. remember like as being like a good hang like this yeah. show is a very good hang yeah it's very vibey it's not going to stress you out that's the thing i feel like other heist things or other detective things might lean more on the stress you out the thing is that it is just smart enough to make you to give you like the congratulatory thrill of knowing like what the next thing is going to be but like it's dumb enough to follow very easily Yes. Uh, like, I, I mean, I mean, dumb enough that it's not like, sorry, because that was actually kind of redundant. What I mean is that it's dumb enough like that it's not going to actually challenge you beyond like being able to keep up with conversation and the subtitles. Yeah. And like it rewards you with very like just impossible, ridiculous, uh, like Soderberghian like twists or whatever. Like in the beginning of like the the of uh episode four, like the sequence where he uses a drone to break into Pellegrini's house. Yeah. You don't even know what's like it's just it's that is a ridiculous sequence. But and it's the, amazing. The, to what like, you were saying though about the playfulness, the drone has these red and blue flashing lights. <laughs> like how you would design a drone if you were in eighth grade. Yeah, you know, and trying to startle it's your just, parents it's on Christmas. Obviously, a toy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good time. It's a good time. It's a good hang. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training 
nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Micah, I don't know why, like, this works for me. This this works for me in a way, and I'm going to be real with you. Mm-hmm. It, 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 this, is, this is a show that in its low-key, high-spirits way, Lupin, finally marked the end of me even tucking away at the back of my mind and occasionally thinking about like Sherlock or Luther, right? Because <laughs> this show, this feels like the antidote to those two shows. Did the you watch antidote? The antidote. Yeah, it does. Did you ever watch Sherlock or Luther? I watched both. That's drag British times. people. In, oh, 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 multiple. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, I mean, let's like, yeah, it's just like we we will have a separate like you know time to talk about like crime procedurals. That's yeah. my shit. But yeah. like. Um, yes, you said antidote though. I want, I want to like needle that a little bit. What do you mean? Well, in the sense, and I, I really liked, uh, I would say with both of those shows, I'd say with Luther, I liked the first two seasons, Sherlock, I liked the first 2.5 seasons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but both of those shows, they really, because they're a lot more keyed up and a lot more high wire. Those shows feel like they have higher highs, right? But they also feel like they burn so much gasoline in the first part of their run that you get to season three and it's just, there's nothing left in the tank and you're just killing the engine with those shows. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, when watching Lupin and sort of realizing how how much of a hang it was as opposed to it being it feeling like it wanted to be this Ocean's Eleven high wire act type situation. Like it manages to be a low key heist show, which feels which feels weird, right? In some ways that another show would would do that and it would feel like a failure, right? You think, how could you have a show about burglaries, but it feels like the the 
the energy is relatively low. And this show makes it work so well. And maybe it's just because I'm thinking of it in contrast with shows like Luther and Sherlock that really tried to be exclamation marks all well, the time. Well, no, I mean, like, the thing is that, like, Luther is very concerned with how serious it is. Like, you're dealing with slashers and rapists, like, every episode and his marriage is falling apart and it's literally always raining and you know (laughs) he his tea is always cold like like luther is a miserable character um you know there is and and then i mean also sherlock i mean is that version of him is like particularly insufferable uh and they're saving like i mean like he's involved with british intelligence and they're saving you know airbuses from crashing and all this other stuff and it's like lufon and then i mean like yeah oceans the oceans movies are very concerned with like the style of the heist movie with the style of like the characters um and lufon is serious but like not grave it's like stylish but like the style isn't the point like it's uh brooding but like not overly so i it's just like it's it's not too much of any one thing well yeah if you think of the stuff that luther especially by the by the by season three that that show does with luther's marriage that 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 movie goes off i mean that that show goes off the rails in terms of it is the, the thing is that it is all worth it for alice morgan to like you know stroll up to to john's new uh white lady love interest and just be like if you ever betray john again i'll kill you and eat you how does yeah. that sound it's a but it's he- a great line of dialogue <laughs> but you know that it's just you got to go through some twists to get there yeah i just think even early in that show i just think i constantly think about it's like the scene it's one of the scenes where luther's estranged wife is in danger and and luther's on the phone and he's walking in his usual huff and he's like ian ian if you hurt my wife i'll kill you <laughs> ian, 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 ian 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 i swear to god i'm I going swear to, to kill god, you I, I i will kill you ian <laughs> he ian. does this for like five minutes <laughs> ian ian no don't talk but yeah, Lupin I mean, like, it's not that. Lupin is not that. It's the it's, antidote to that, is what I'm it saying. It is, yeah. There is, okay, fair enough. Yes. Uh, but like I was saying about it being like a very stylish show, is that the first episode is so much fun because it's kind of like turning the I'm getting the crew together thing inside out. Like, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Remember they screwed that on Rick and Morty? Where they're just kind of like, you know, like I'm putting a I'm putting a team together, and it was like some sort of uh, memory trigger or like psychological trick that forced whoever it was to then come under their control and say, "You son of a bitch, I'm in." <laughs> it's just like a repetition of like the same thing you see in every heist movie, but the first episode of Lupin kind of like turns it inside out. You know, the way that the heist comes together in the first episode is like him going to Lone Shark's apartment and like he owes these people money and it's the muscles by the door. 
uh, you know, the grease man is in the back and the guy that's the driver is on the couch playing Need for Speed. Right. And these aren't friends. This isn't like, oh, the team I'm pulling together is my people. They're very much not his people. Yeah. He's just kind of like, I'm just going to bend this situation. Like within five minutes of him going into the apartment, he has them on the couch going over slides on the on the on the PS4. (laughs) Like it's but then also the fact that like then the heist goes completely wrong and it's like also like a comedy like for I mean because like he's just like Yo, hey, the chloroform the chloroform yes. thing the fact that they could never figure out the like because they have okay he's just kind of like listen you're going to pose as cleaning crew and cleaning crew can bring stuff into the Louvre without being scanned all you have to do is put it in bottles so you could bring cleaning pro you could be window solution you can bring pine saw you could bring chloroform. And so they put chloroform in the bottles. And the thing is that they're supposed to sneak in and take out like, you know, cops, guards, whatever. And it's like they build up to this moment of suspense and everything's all the pieces are moving into place. And then like the security guards come in and then they spritz them in the face with the water bottles, which is just like <laughs> not. Yeah, I don't think that's how chloroform that's works. That's just not right? how chloroform works. Yeah. And they keep doing it. Yeah, it's the thing. At first, it's like, oh, that's funny. When he does it the second time to the other guard, he's just like, yo, this dude has not figured oh, out man. chloroform as a concept. Okay, uh, I see. Yeah. And then and then on top of that, like they and they go, he's just like, Yeah, we need some uh, for the getaway car, we need something fast and conspicuous. And he went out and somehow found the Ferrari GTR five hundred <laughs> that he was racing with all in Gran Turismo. <laughs> um Yeah, that's the thing. It's so the it's it's <laughs> the the lightheartedness of that high scene though, and the fact that OMRC just sort of floats through it, right? Like he has yeah. the confidence and you sort of even though these guys that he's conscribed into the plot clearly don't know what the fuck they're doing. There is no great montage where it's like, oh, okay, so they're showing how they're going to pull it off. You just sort of have to rely. You know what it reminded me of? Oh, what did you remind you of? No, it reminded me of like uh, the like the dramatization of uh, that was in like I, Tanya. Like how funny that was, like the because I mean, like it's a it's a horrifying story. Like the you know the guys breaking the Asian character is like with a pipe, but like the way that they that they do it in the movie is you're pissing yourself in laughter the entire time, and that's what the heist is like. Yeah, and like I think the whole show, even as the show, I think over time gets weighted down a bit more in sort of the family drama, and you know you learn about. <laughs> I, I think the show is really good at cultivating ambiguity about Asan's father, right? Because there's sort of a bunch of misdirection about, well, why, you know, his father, Babakar, is the one who gets them, who gets Asan the, um, the, the Lupin books, right? And you're sort of wondering, like, there's this whole thing that's set up about Babakar working in the home of this French billionaire and... Potentially like having stolen ease with which he comes into their employ, like yeah. you know, just kind of like the situations that he he seems to be in an opportune place at an opportune time fairly often. Yeah, and they juxtapose it, right? They juxtapose 
you know, through flashbacks, right? They just they juxtapose Assan's father being in the the home of the French billionaire with, you know, Assan being the janitor at the Louvre, right? So you're supposed to sort of think of that kind of parody of like, why does he work here? And then you find out that the French billionaire Hugo Pellegrini and his wife Anne in their safe had the the queen's necklace that is is later on the subject of this auction and that the the necklace is stolen from the Pellegrini household basically and Babacar is the person under suspicion for stealing it and they do a lot of shifting of like okay well maybe Babacar is this thief and his influence is passed down to his son and then they shift it to hold on a second maybe the wife and then the blame, you know, then it shifts to Hugo Pellegrini, sort of the, the man of the house. And I think the way they shift that, that kind of that, that suspicion around does sort of, I don't know, even that feels playful in a way, right? It feels like even though on paper, right, the dad's story is that he is, he's framed for a crime he didn't commit and then he kills himself in jail. Right? That's sort of how mm -hmm. it's set up. Mm -hmm. And yet there's something about, even even the little mystery of well, did his father d do it? Was his father a thief? Like, what's the deal with the Lupin book? All of that just feels kind of, I don't know. There's like a really subtle mischief to it, you know. It just feels like the the target is constantly shifting with the show in a way that, like you said, it it never really it feels serious, but it doesn't feel self serious, right? Because at the end of the first episode, there's that voiceover where he's just kind of like. This book is, you know, my inspiration, also my method. I am Lupin. But over the course of the season of television, like the overarching thematical question is like, who is he really? Is he Lupin? Is he Hassan? Who is who is Hassan? Is he a father? Is he a thief? Is he blah, 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 blah? You know, it's kind of like all of the lupon stories more or less sit around that intrigue of like who he is that's i think that that's what the that sort of subtle mischief that you feel yo on that note how do you feel about how cheeky the show is the show really sort of rubs in the viewer's face that it knows that these novels exist. it's not like the show it's not like bbc sherlock right bbc sherlock you were watching Sherlock Holmes, the detective Sherlock Holmes, but it just so happens that Sherlock Holmes actually lives in modern times, right? Whereas in, in Lupin, in this show, the source material itself exists. And mm -hmm. the show is constantly winking at you about the fact that the source material for well, the yeah, show I mean, exists. like, I think that it kind of limits what, like, you know... How I think it kind of limits how good, quote unquote, the show can be. But like, I mean, I'm absolutely fine with it for its extreme six out of tenness. You know, it's like yeah. a very it's meant to be like accessible, like it's meant to be easy to like to to fall. Like, and yeah, it's like kind of loud and they're beating you over the head with it. But, yo, can um, I tell you my OK, so in the in the, the Queen's necklace heist, right? Obviously, Asan is he he has an alias, right? I forget even what, what the alias is, like Paul something. And he has an alias, and you have the detectives working on the case, and you have of the of all the police officers involved in this show, you have the one 
you have the one sort of junior detective who is obsessed with the Lupin short stories. <laughs> Right, he, he's just constantly. He just he's just constantly putting out desk. color photos and you know putting them on a grid on yeah. the corkboard next to his desk. Yeah, he's got the Charlie Day whiteboard. Right, and to me, the best moment in this show, arguably, is by, it's by like episode two, where it's like at one point you sort of realize he the guy has an epiphany where he just you can he keeps looking at at Asan's like alias on a piece of paper and you realize there's something up with the name. And as a viewer, your first thought probably is like, oh, I bet it's an anagram of Arsene Lupin. Right. But then he sits down and then it is it is a and the scene is like a minute and a half long where he writes out he does the whole anagram. It's Paul not even Sydney. that it's a minute and a half. It's that they cut from I'll it several times. Yeah, it's just like a, and yeah, then one just... time you come back and he's in his office and he's just he has like 20 post-it notes that he has used to crack. You would think he was cracking World War II ciphers <laughs> that he fit. It takes him so many edits to get to the point where he explains to his colleagues that like, yo, you know this guy's alias is an anagram of Arsene Lupa. It's just like Dog, I thought that that was assumed that you all knew this by this point, but that's the kind of show it is. It's so accessible is the word you used. And I do think I, I probably agree with you about that sort of creating an upper bound of how, quote unquote, I wouldn't say how good the show can get, but how great the show can get. Okay, yeah, that's a good, that's, that is, that's a better way of putting it, yeah. Because I think that's the element of the show that does make me think, okay, this show maybe will never have the highs that Luther or Sherlock has, right? Because, because you make it so... Fably. Yeah, it's so fably that it's hard to imagine, even when you, you get heists that feel pretty clever... It's hard to imagine getting to a point where the show lets you figure figure shit out on your own momentum, right? With your own intellectual momentum. Like it's it's constantly kind of handicapping you and feeding you answers a little bit. And I think that is a thing that undermines the show. But it's also a thing that I I think is a nice restraint on the show so that it never turns into Sherlock. I mean, it makes it, you, it, it also makes it very bingeable. It's meant for you yeah. to like consume it more or less in a sitting and, you know, not think too hard about it after. Yeah. But I've been Sherlock too, though. That's the thing. Like, I, you know, like I get the point. It goes down easier. But I mean, I binge anything. Netflix knows this by now. And speaking of binging, so the thing I, I binged immediately after <laughs> Lupin was. Loop on the third season five, which came out two years ago at this point. I'm so late to it, which is the the season of Loop on the third, you know, most recent takes place in France, but also the fictional country country Bawanda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, can we talk can where, we explain? where the ICPO has no has no extradition treat? Like it's just like a whole <laughs> like it's the the. The the geopolitics of this fictional universe are kind of funny. But anyway, yeah. Yeah. Um most, since we're already on the subject of Lupin, let's talk about Lupin the third. You know, this is an anime podcast, technically. Yeah, um, this is okay. 
Lupin the Third is basically a fictional character loosely based on Arsene Lupin. Well, he's the descendant, right? He's the descendant of Arsene Lupin. Well, 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 the new, the, 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 the latest season of the show calls that into question. The thing is that like, it is, he is canonically maybe like a descendant of Arsene Lupin. Right. Um, Maybe he is Arsene Lupin because maybe Arsene Lupin like found his way to the fountain of youth or something. Like, you know, there's a whole bunch of theories and different different writers that have like you know written for the show or written for the comic or written whatever have like added different things to the backstory for instance um the queen's necklace uh in the first episode of the netflix series lupin made me think about uh um the signet ring of like uh Cagliostro from the yeah, from yeah, yeah. the castle of Count Cagliostro because I mean mm-hmm. it's a sim- it's a similar story like you know him whisking away a you know young woman from an oligarch and also stealing some sort of precious thingy in a process like it's but also like the like a failed heist being like a formative part of his backstory um yeah. in a similar way yeah uh but anyway like this Lupin that we're talking about is like the anime version that hangs out with a, a marksman named Jigen Daisuke and a samurai named Goyama and chases around, uh, you know, the woman who will always remain loyal to her desires, Fujiko Mine, yes. uh, calling her Fuji Cakes and, you know, making crazy faces all the time. Yo, it, Lupin the Third has not become any less like weird and pervy, and that show, like, okay, it's it's funny to sort of meditate on the differences between Netflix's Lupin just as a character, right? Um, it's Omar C, right, is Lupin, and and then the the classic anime character Lupin the Third, in the sense that when I finally got around to this latest season of Lupin the Third, and I thought this too when I watched the Italian season, which was the previous season, Lupin. The third has to thread this needle between being the, the gentleman thief archetype, being kind of charming and how sort of slippery and elusive he is, but also being kind of off-putting. Like he's he's the 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 tricky thing with anime Lupin is that he's a tool, right? He's unambiguously oh, yeah. a tool. Like Omar C is not a tool. He's a lot of things, and he's like a a, a messed up ex-husband, and he's sort of a you know, he's yeah, not the best Yeah, but I mean, father, like, you're inviting, you're like, you're inviting Omar C in to let him use your phone. Like, yeah. This, this Lufon is like, you know, you wouldn't he's grab him with it. Yeah, he's gravy. He's, he's, like like he's, 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 he's got a very annoying and shrill voice. Like, he's got a weird sensibility and, uh, you know, even, uh, weirder morals but uh, like it's you know he had but the thing is that like he has uh, he has morals but they're just kind of like only known to himself yeah i think another thing too watching some lupon the third right after watching the netflix show lupon i so one of the the charming elements of netflix lupon that i like is that all these people went to private school you have you have lupon's friend ben and then you also have 
Lupin's lady, Claire, right? And that's his baby moms. And they have, you know, they have problems. Maybe they'll get together. Maybe they won't. They have a son Raul together. And then the backstory there is that they all went to private school together. And for whatever reason, in Netflix Lupin, the fact that all these people went to private school explains everything about how they are to me. Yeah. Like, once you get to the flashbacks to them in private school wearing their little uniforms and, like, the, the I forget what the the foster dad calls it like the best school in France or something. I'm like, Oh, that all of the disposition and lifestyle of these people. Yeah. I mean, like all of his like romantic choices, the way that he is with everybody, the way that these people kind of like conduct themselves out in the world, like the sweaters he wears. Once you like understand how they were acculturated. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, but to me, the thing about that is, is I don't know, because you have, you you have. I mean, like, it's still, like, incredibly ham-fisted. Like, I mean, like, the pool scene <laughs> is, is. Oh, yeah, yeah, the pool the scene. The pool okay. scene I, was yeah. whack as fuck, man. Like, but then there's, like, the lock, the locker room scene was an amazing save after that. The, the, the I mean, like, the chloroform locker room thing. Yeah, but I guess what I'd say is, okay, you have Claire and Hassan, right? So they knew each other in private school. That's the sort of, um, that's their, you know, childhood, uh, what's the word? Lovebirds, right? Backstory. So then the, the other, you have Ben, right? You have Ben, who's a sort of accomplice who helps take care of some of the technical planning for some of these heists, right? Mm-hmm. And they also, you know, went to school together. And I think otherwise, if you... <laughs> Other than Ben, Asan feels really lonely to me. Like he really works atomically, right? And that and that that's why in the first heist, right, in the beginning of the series, you know, the team he pulls together is a bunch of people who don't even like him and were just trying to beat him up because he didn't have their money back on time, right? They, that guy sort of floats through the universe atomically, and that's such a different vibe than. Loop on the third, right? Where the whole thing with Loop on the third is this guy and his friends. Yeah, he yeah. has friends all over the world. Like, there's actually he wouldn't be kind shit of like without a- his friends. Like, Loop on yeah. the third would be nothing without Fujiko, Goemon, and and Jigen Daisuke and Zenigata, the detective who's following them all the time. The show wouldn't yeah. even work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know what? A brief pause while I. You know, I want to congratulate us both on having gotten through an entire episode of talking about a show where a black man does espionage in a suit. And we haven't mentioned James Bond once until right now. Yeah. Because like that's like the vibe that it is also kind of that's the lifestyle porny thing that it's also kind of going for. And that's I think that's only true in the first episode, though. Well, the thing is that like it's only really true in the first episode. But like I think that you know it is kind of like only in that in the first episode, but it is an Omar C vehicle. Like it's yeah. it's not like I mean like it's really like you are watching the show to watch him go one uh, v France, not like <laughs> to <laughs> to see him call upon favors from an odd parade of characters which i mean like you do kind of get some of that but like it's not the same as like in Lupin the third where it's like it's very much like an ensemble show 
Yeah, totally, totally. One V friends. I did. I did for I, in that first episode. I did have this thought of, oh, this is clearly an audition tape for a Bond movie, and I had to remind myself that the dude is French, and you know, and that that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, he tried to steal Idris's whole shit. Okay, I see what this is. Um, yeah, I, I I just pointed out because again, it's it's sort of, I don't know about you. I'm coming to to this as somebody who did not, you know, I didn't grow up with the the the, the loop on short stories. I grew up with Lupin the Third, right? And so, mm-hmm. I think, and that's mostly where my interest in in watching this came from, right? It's like, okay, I watched a ton of Lupin the Third. We're doing some live action black French Senegalese Lupin. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Well, shit, you know? spice it in a motherfucker. And, 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 and yeah, and it's like I like this, but it, I'm yeah. surprised that like it's such a different take on Lupin. And maybe it's more, you know, for all I know, like Netflix Lupin is is maybe more sort of true to the short stories but yeah i like this and yet i can think of so many ways in which this is just such a, a fundamentally different take on the character than loop on the third which is my entry point into even knowing what like who arson Lupin is right yeah yeah well i mean like there are just things that I mean, the thing is that, like, also Loop on the Third relies, like, so heavily on, like, anime bullshit that, like, yeah. you can't really get anything close to a faithful, like, live action reimagining. So the story has to be something like this, you know? Yeah. And Loop on is one of those shows that shoves into your face. The thing about anime that is beautiful is the fact that an anime can come to you and it can, it can set a show in 2018. And it can say, this show has a samurai in it. And there's nothing you can do about it. It just has a samurai. There's a samurai who is the main character in this show. And just go with it. Yeah, it's just like, you got to go with it. Also, the main character whips a 68 Fiat that, like, you know, does greater ground speed than a McLaren F1. You know, deal with it. It also goes up on the sides of rock faces. Jigen is so mad that (laughs) whenever his Fiat gets smashed, it's so sad. Oh, that said, I'd recommend, I definitely recommend watching Netflix Lupin. Um, I really hope Netflix does not sweat me for a year or whatever. I really hope that the sort of disclaimer at the end of the fifth episode is suggesting that shortly there will be more episodes. Micah, you haven't watched the very last episode. But it really is like I kind of respect a show that will go out on a, a proper cliffhanger, not a not a sort of postlude epilogue cliffhanger of like, oh, where will our hero be next time? Like Lupin ends on a cliffhanger where you're like, no, I wait, no, but I need to know the information. Like, what are you serious? Mm, yeah. Um and I kind of respect it because I think that given how I think the actual execution of the episodes feels very low-key, I do think that ending ending the series the way that it ended at least with those five episodes feels like a sort of correction for that of saying of, of again it's sort of playing with your emotions you know manipulating information and I, I don't know I like it I think there was I think this show is smart I think this show is, is special um, but nonetheless accessible so if you if you are like me and feel like um you know, if you, you got- are looking to burst through the basal uninspired sameness of uh like you know every day of of like having to find like 
some new shit to watch on TV and you want something that will thrill and entertain you, Lupin is kind of it right now is, is, is what we're saying. Yeah. But also what I'm saying is if you are one of the people who feel like they got burned by m- mid and latter Luther and Sherlock, maybe watch Lupin. <laughs> Cause I think this show uses way fewer napkins as it were, <laughs> than those shows. I think this, sh- you know what I mean? It's just like, it's tidier. The show is tidier. It is, it is much tidier. It's they, got, there's, there, yeah. it has, a, it has a clear goal and, you know, it's setting out to accomplish it. And, you know, it's deliberate about how it's getting there. Yeah. Which is like, you know, what you want in something that you're streaming. Yeah. Listeners, if you've watched it already, if you're watching it on our recommendation, either way, feel free to email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. I mean, maybe we'll talk about Lupin some more if we get more episodes. We'll see. I don't know. Um, we're also like plotting. I feel like at this point, we're plotting a bunch of different special episodes and one-off episodes. Maybe we could talk to people about that you know, later. Yeah, you know, you know, we got see, we got some plotting going on back we here. Yeah, we're, we're, we're ruminating. You know, it's we're, we're gonna we're gonna do some stuff. Yeah, but yeah, we'll keep you all up to speed. Please, please believe we are aware that please the final Evangelion that. movie is coming out in Japan in February. We're trying to figure out when we'll talk about that. Considering I don't know that we know when that movie is coming out in English in the states yet. I mean, you know, if I was going to ballpark, I guess, if it's coming out in, you know, it's a, it's original language, like in, in like April, May-ish. Yeah, that sounds about right. It does feel like a spring thing. I just, I just know yeah. that when we were doing the Ava episodes, you know, the formative episodes of this podcast, a couple people mentioned, like they asked me whether we would cover the Ava reboot movies. And then definitely since we set up an email account for soundonlypod at gmail.com, people have asked me a few times about the Ava movies. Yeah. We're going to talk about the rebuild movies and like, you know, it's going to, we're, we're going to get to it. We're going to, we're, we're going to touch on that. Please, we'll please, please believe that. Please, please believe that. that. But for now, until next week, I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We'll see y'all later. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.